welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is the podcast for anyone interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, The Ultimate Guide to Setting and Achieving Sales Goals. In it, you'll discover how to set sales goals, how to track your progress, how to avoid common pitfalls, and more. Be sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 262. As always, this is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really excited about today's guest. He is the co-founder and CEO of Chili Piper, which is a company that's reinventing inbox, calendar, and scheduling for sales professionals. He's also co-founder and CEO of Gypsy Time, which is reinventing to-do lists to focus on achieving goals. He's a guest lecturer at the Stanford Graduate School of Business, and he is kind of a serial founder who has successfully built and sold multiple companies. So he's learned a lot about um, founding businesses and and the challenges that people encounter. Um, He is our neighbor just a little far away from me in Brooklyn, New York. Um, We're so glad to have you here, Nicholas Vandenberg. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm really glad that you could join us today. Um, I just shared those top level kind of bullets from your resume, but I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners and maybe tell a little bit about the story of how you got to where you are today. Sure. So as you mentioned, uh, I've done several companies. Um, The most recent is Chili Piper, uh, focused on sales. Uh, Sales is a passion of mine when I was uh, in high school and I wanted to pay for my studies. I took a job as a sales person selling newspapers in the street and Jonathan, mm. I, I outsold uh, outsold everybody four to one and I think and I thought it was a great a lot of fun so some people hate sales uh, me I love it the idea that uh, you connect to people and and exchange with them uh, is something that I found very pleasant um, I grew up in the south of France uh, I never heard of the world entrepreneurship um, so I went to study math at Ecole Polytechnique and then decided I'd come to uh, discover some new horizon so I uh, went to Stanford Business School and when I mm. got there my idea was to continue traveling I love traveling and I was going to go to Asia afterwards and Hong Kong uh, and a few weeks into uh, the classes at uh, Stanford um, a classmate of mine Steve Jefferson um, invited Steve Jobs to come to talk to uh, the students Wow. And at the time, Steve Jobs was actually uh, CEO of Next. And the joke was that he was running next to nowhere. <laughs> that, that company was not doing well. Uh, but yet he sat on the floor and started telling us about his job, what it's like to create a company and build a product. And of course, he had been super successful earlier with Apple. And at the time, we didn't know that he would be super successful again. But it was so inspiring that I looked at him and I thought, this is what I want to do. Uh, be when I grew up. I want to be a tech entrepreneur. I want to do these products and influence uh, the the world. So my, my plans changed completely. Um, I actually, to these days, I've never been to Hong Kong, which was my, supposed to be my next steps. I've um, never been there. I stayed in the Bay Area and I uh, started a software company. So I did the first one, ironically, with uh, John Scully, who was um, it's a strange coincidence, but John Scully fired Steve Jobs at Apple, so it was mm-hmm. a weird. weird um, sorry, small and, world sometimes. Yes, exactly, <laughs> uh, and 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 some others. Uh, recently, um, Chili Pepper. We're going to talk about it. Uh, it was a way for me to join these two passions: the uh, ability to uh, create new products and come up with new solutions, 
targeting sales, which uh, I, I really love. As you mentioned, I also started another company, GP Time. Um, I think it's a trait of entrepreneurs when you have a problem and you don't find a solution, you think you should just come up with a solution yourself. Build a company. <laughs> That's, not exactly. That's not generally my response to a problem. <laughs> exactly. And people say you're crazy, but but it seems... It seems crazy <laughs> not to do it to me. So, so, so I did that. We, we may have a few words about this. It, it, it's a funny story, actually. I should mention it. Um, I've had trouble um, focusing all my life. Uh, studying was very, very hard. I mean, um, I studied mathematics uh, uh, and physics, and, and I spent way more time than other people, and yet I'd studied less than other people. And much later in life, uh, I discovered that uh, I had ADHD, so the attention deficit. Oh. Actually, uh, somebody sent me the book and said, do that test. Uh, and, and I did the test to see if I had ADHD. And it felt like I had won the, 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 the Nobel Prize because I had got everything right on the list. Of, you know, do you have ADHD or not? I, I, everything applied to me. Uh, so, so that was a big moment where I thought, wow, uh, that would explain a lot of things. And it's interesting because, you know, we human beings are quick at putting labels on people. So uh, for sure, uh, every possible word around lazy had been applied to me. And then mm. I said, oh, look at that. Said, I'm not lazy. I just have a condition. Um, but then the bottom line is that, like, okay, I need, I need uh, uh, to operate differently. And the gypsy time idea is to help people do things. So it's a to-do list where you not only list things that you have to do, which is great, but if you don't do them, that's useless is to do things. And the number one uh, feature is uh, block distractions. Because for, if you have mm. ADHD, distractions are very troublesome. Uh, and another one is to uh, organize tasks in sprint. So batch them and just keep focus on, on a set of uh, tasks. So that, that, that felt strongly that I had to do it, uh, and I'm doing that. Now back to Chili Piper. Um, we're building tools, as you mentioned, uh, for salespeople. We started with scheduling and calendar. And now we're launching a, an inbox. Um, it was a simple uh, thesis, and that is that uh, salespeople are professionals, and it's odd that the tools that they use the most, which are the inbox and calendar, are the same tools that what my mother uses to get in touch with me, right? Or, <laughs> you think it's very odd, right? You, you don't know of any professional use the same tools as as the um, general public. So we think, okay, that's going to change. Uh, we were looking at sales tech. I was running a sales team most most re- recently for a friend of mine in a big telco company, and I had a very hard time getting the sales team to uh, use Salesforce mm-hmm. uh, to the point where I ask other people and say, well, what you do is that you don't pay their commission if they don't use Salesforce. And, and they say, well, that's odd because... It's a piece of software supposed to help them. And if I look at my daughters, uh, I don't have to uh, cut off their allowance if they don't use their iPhone. You know, it's quite the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite. So I think this is all backwards, and we have to build technology that salespeople love and uh, feel that they want to use and enjoy using. So that's uh, the thesis behind uh, Chili Piper. And along these ways, when we started working on scheduling, we 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 found that. Um, it's not only about making salespeople uh, happier with their job. It's also about uh, completely transforming um, 
the buyer experience, so the, the experience on the prospect and the buying side, and by improving the experience of the buyer, improving conversion rates. So I think we're going to talk about that in, in a few minutes, about the, 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 this challenge of uh, inbound, inbound conversion rates, but that, that's all it all came from. Absolutely. Um, I, I want to go back to that experience that you had with Steve Jobs, because I think that's something that people are often inspired by people who are already successful. And so you hear somebody tell you a story and they're in a really good place because they've already achieved that success. And you think, okay, I want to be like them. But the fact that you were inspired by Steve Jobs when he was actually in uh, a downward <laughs> part yeah. of his journey, and but you could still see that passion and that spark. I think that really speaks to just a deep connection to a passion for, um, for founding things within you that you could kind of see that connection um, in him. That's really, that's you, really you, exciting. You, you're exactly right. He, he said something uh, very profound and he's recorded on video with that quote. Uh, he said, um, you perspective on life changes when you realize that everything around you has been invented by somebody no smarter than you. Now that the no smarter than you mm. is this quote. So I, I, you could argue <laughs> with that, but, and, and therefore, you can do it also. You can do it. You can go and, and change things and, and be the person who initiated that change. Um, and you're exactly right. Even though at that time, what he was uh, trying to do was not successful, the, the fact that he was trying to implement a change and he had, he had, had a good reason for it, right? He was bringing a new wave of uh, computing. Um, that... I, it felt like it was the, the, the right thing to do. <laughs> like I should just go and and uh, find solutions uh, on my own for for problems around me. That felt very uh, very compelling. Absolutely. And then you know the fact that you've consistently been driven to found companies based on kind of the situation that you're in at the moment and the problems that you're facing. Um, that's that's really exciting because it it gives you a, a passion. It gives you a why for what you're doing. And when I talk to people, whether they're on the leadership side or on the selling side, who are really struggling to find motivation, to find connection, um, to, to be more effective, it's usually because they don't have that strong connection to why they're doing what they're doing. And so if you had, you know, personal challenges with, um, with feeling like you could be as productive as you wanted to be, um, which uh, we can we can all understand that to some level. Although ADHD makes it even more complicated, you know, it's actually it's funny. The last um, interview podcast I did uh, just last week's episode, or maybe two weeks ago, um, was Carson Tate, and she's a productivity expert. And one of the things that we talked about is we all have different styles of productivity and different things that'll work for us. But you have to find the things that work for you. And so you not only tried to find the things that work for you, but you started a whole company That's right, <laughs> to, exactly. to help exactly. yourself and other people, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, well, I hope that I'm not the only one who has that problem of focus and uh, and could benefit from uh, blocking distractions. Also, you, you're right that different people have a very different approach to productivity and, and the way it should be. It, it, we call the company Gypsy Time um, in reference to uh, the free spirit of the gypsies. Right? The gypsies are... Uh, always portrayed as, as uh, people who live a bit outside and, and live on their own uh, on their own time and their own freedom. And and that's kind of what we're trying to do. Is you, can, you can produce your own way 
the goal is that you remove this uh, this alienation, right? the dependency on, on other people are requesting your time and you manage your time in, in, in a way that makes you feel free. Um, Absolutely. That, I love that. that. Yeah, figuring out the, the things that work well for you and there are going to be other people like you who yeah. are going to... Um, who are going to be able to use those. And then, you know, there are some people that it might not work as well for, and, and, but there are going to be other features of the platform that, that work well for them. So um, I did want to move into a new topic because I know this is something that you have been really focusing on and studying for a while. Um, you, you touched on this, you've led sales teams um, over the years. And one thing that you, you told me you've learned is that inbound conversion isn't working as well as leaders hope and expect that it would. They're putting in these systems to generate all kinds of leads on an inbound way. And then for some reason, it's just broken. They're not getting sales out of it. So what have you learned as you've been studying what's broken in inbound conversion? And what are some ideas that you have for how um, that might be able to be fixed? Absolutely. Uh, it's been a fascinating journey. It started with me uh, uh, interviewing um a category of sales professionals called uh, inbound SDR. So sales development mm -hmm. reps who deal with inbound requests. And I ask them, what is your job? And they say, my job is uh, to process um, the meeting request. So prospects come to the website. B2B companies spend uh, thousands and millions of dollars to bring traffic to the website. That prospect fills the form click submit and get the thank you page. Thank you. Somebody's going to call you. And then mm -hmm. they left wondering where, who's going to call me and when. And as we discussed the job, there's somebody whose job it is to call that person and, and book a meeting. So that seems a bit backward to me. And I asked, uh, I asked in one of the hours, how is it going for you? And they say, it's going great. I'm converting at 40%. And for some reason, there's some magic on 40% uh, that, some companies were doing very poorly and converting at 11% or 15%, but there seemed to be this uh, glass ceiling at 40%. So that means that out of 100 mm -hmm. people who want a meeting, they, they fill the form with a meeting request of some kind, 60 of them actually did not get one. It didn't happen. And that, that seemed completely crazy. That doesn't seem think, all that terribly successful to me. <laughs> exactly. And you think, why in the world would people accept that, right? And it's the norm. I mean, I can, I can tell you, I, um, to, 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 to hundreds of prospects uh, every month, the norm is 40%. And why, why in the world would they, would they think it's good? Um, because the, the person sitting next to the inbound SDR is the outbound SDR. The outbound SDR uh, reaches people who have potentially no interest in a meeting and try to get them to meet. These conversion rates are closer to 2% to 2-3%. So when your neighbor next door is converting at 2% and you do 40%, it feels amazing. It's mm -hmm. just like, you know, you shouldn't change anything because the human brain is wired with uh, um, reference points. So mm -hmm. every, everything we do is relative. So relative to these people is great and 40%. So I've had actually... Uh, chief revenue officers tell me, do not touch it. I'm doing 40%. It's great. So what we did <laughs> is that we, we decided that we'd invent a new solution for that. Um, and the idea was simple. It's um, to put a JavaScript in the page where upon form submission, the JavaScript in real time takes the data, 
qualify the prospect, find the rep who should take the meeting, then either dial the rep and dial the prospect and connect them in real time, or retrieve the calendars of the rep and let the prospect book a time. And um, with either solution, the prospect has instant gratification. Right? Either they are, the prospect is on the phone immediately or uh, has booked a meeting that, that works for him or her. And as you would imagine, uh, that's going to improve conversion rates. What we didn't imagine is, is the extent to which it does because it doubles them. So uh, actually, when we launched that solution, uh, we pretty consistently have uh, customers double the conversion rates, go from 40 to 80%. We have people going from 15 to 60%, from uh, 30 to 70%. It's consistently double conversion rates. And it's quite intuitive because if you no longer get people to wait or, or disappear, then you are going to get more, more meetings. It was actually a very challenging thing to do technologically. So to these days, we are the only ones with this solution at Chili Piper. Uh, you need to do uh, some advanced integration with the web forms, with the marketing automation, with the CRM, with the routing rules. Um, but once we, and of course, the dial integration with phone to be able to dial. But once, mm -hmm. once we, we figured it out, we found that it completely uh, uh, changed the industry. So it's something interesting to us because uh, um, when the COVID crisis started, uh, our investors uh, called me and say, hey, you better prepare uh, some layoffs because it's going to be very uh, tough. Um, the times ahead are very tough. And uh, I thought, you know, let me give me a bit of time to see how it goes. And we've actually uh, continued growing because as it becomes harder and harder to get prospects, companies are more and more focused on making sure they keep this prospect, right? That they, they get their... Uh, conversion rates up so we're getting mm. a lot of interest right now on, on that, our solution and uh, you know sales are uh, continuing and growing uh, for that very reason because that's it, wonderful in your focus yes we, we're fortunate in that in that respect there's no question i i love that um chili piper it sounds like you know really started out as kind of a sales enablement tool really focused on just helping salespeople in their day-to-day -day lives have tools and, and systems that are designed for them and that they want to use and that you're continuing to grow and expand it kind of in concentric circles around the individual salesperson because, you know, SDRs are salespeople too, even though sometimes they're not, they're not thought of as salespeople. And I know there's a lot of research that's been shown that and it's intuitive as well. If I am searching online for a solution to a problem and I go to a company's website and it seems like they have a solution for me, I am thinking about that problem in the moment. I am focused on a solution and I've developed some level of trust in that company if I'm going to fill out a form for them to contact me. And so I'm in a good place right now. And then if I fill out a form and you call me tomorrow, I'm not in that place anymore. I'm not thinking about your company. I'm not thinking about that problem. I maybe have, have looked at a bunch of different other vendors and have identified a different solution. And so that that solving that problem of, of just making that happen faster, getting that connection faster, that's a, that's a huge innovation to be able to do it um, you know, on the technology side. Everybody kind of has the same goal to make the connection faster, but um, it's really how do you do that? Um, so it's really exciting that you're you're just continuing to add more functionality within Chili Piper. You're, you're, you're exactly right. Uh, it, it actually happened to me last week. Uh, I, I needed a, a lawyer for a specialized uh, 
piece of law. I asked for a recommendation on, among my friends in Facebook. Mm-hmm. They sent me, um, you know, then I got about a dozen. I contacted the first six. The first three we replied, I chose one among the three, right? Because mm-hmm. that, because at the end, said, that one is good. Maybe there's somebody even better in the other 12, but it's not worth my time uh, to uh, continue investigating. I'm just going to go with that person. It's the, uh, and, and um, the current uh, environment, there are more and more competitors. So that that's a... a Mm-hmm. A phenomenon that's going to continue because it's easier and easier to start a company, especially in tech. Uh, it's easier. It's, it's a known fact that the, the investment to start a company is much lower than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, integration with existing system via the cloud is much easier. So there are more and more solutions. In our, in our space in sales tech, uh, there used to be about 200 companies playing. Uh, last year, two years ago, it was 500, now it's 800 companies. So mm-hmm. For every problem, there are a lot of solutions, and if you don't act fast, uh, it's going to be somebody else's solution uh, that is going to get the contract. So our solution, uh, is, we call it concierge, actually, because it's like on, on the website with like a virtual concierge that, that handles your meeting request and does it in real time. Um, we, we, they would explain why we double conversion rates is because once if you can book in real time you're going to be the the company that uh, handles those prospect and has a very high uh, chance of getting the business i i love that name concierge because really when you think about this problem and and the solution i i think of the analogy let's say there's a retail store that you go to because you want to buy something from them and you're you're met at the door by a form And it says, you know, please submit your information and we'll let you know when you can shop at our store. You're just going to go to a different store (laughs) because you want to buy whatever thing it is. Um, And it's the same thing when it comes to business. And so you have kind of a concierge. It's a person at the desk who's going to say, oh, thank you so much for coming. Let me guide you to the salesperson who's who can help you right now, because it's it's not the kind of store where you can just pick something up off a shelf. um, But you don't want to prevent the, the selling from happening. So that's, that's, that's really that's exciting. Exactly, right. that's exactly the idea. It's a funny thing though, because people think uh, um, that I came up with that word concierge because I'm French and it sounds like a French word, but it's uh, it's actually a completely different meaning in French. In, in French, it's the person who cleans up the, the stairs of a building. Ah. So, uh, <laughs> a little different. <laughs> that's what, that was not the inspiration, yeah. That's <laughs> funny. English, um, you know, American English is is such an interesting language of so many words that are kind of stolen from, or I will say absorbed in a kinder way from other languages. Um, But we don't always recognize that the meaning might be, might have changed in that translation. Sometimes it did, sometimes it did. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sometimes it gets improved, right? Uh, concierge, uh, concierge of the Ritz Carlton sounds a lot fancier than, <laughs> than the person cleaning the stairs. So that, that's what we had in mind: the Ritz Carlton concierge, that, that person who's really helpful and friendly, and and always there, available around the clock to help you. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, kind of speaking of, I guess this is, you, you have this general focus on productivity. Um, yeah. Because when it comes to salespeople, I know a big part of why you started Chili Piper is inbox management. And um, we touched on that before, but I did want to just kind of take a deep dive into that because I think most of us are probably realizing that even, um, you know, as everything changes around us, our volume of email does not change. And we get so many requests. And some people 
I know that I've spoken to feel like they literally spend their entire day just replying to the latest email that comes in, but the, you know, the, the stack of emails is just growing and growing and growing. So I'd love to hear um, what you've been working on when it comes to helping salespeople effectively manage their inboxes. Cause I know that's a challenge for most salespeople out there. Yeah. So we, we um, started with the same approach as with concierge, uh, and that's a, a focus on on the prospect and the buyer. So we have a, a lot of ideas and a long uh, roadmap on what we're going to do in the Latin box. Uh, but we, we we didn't start with automating uh, sending more emails or or um, processing emails faster. We started on making sure that the experience of the uh, person you are having a conversation with is better. So mm. we came up we came up with a. a two ideas to do that the first one and then they're both very simple uh, yet nobody's done them before the first one is the ab- ability to uh, comment on an email and ping somebody so um, you get an email from your prospect and they say hey um, um, we're really interested in your app but we need that new feature i see it's not ready yet when would it be ready and you can just ping your CTO and say, hey, uh, our CTO is named Santiago. Santiago, uh, what's the roadmap on that? What can I tell the customer? Uh, when can you expect that feature to be ready? Another example is you, of course, ping your uh, boss and say, hey, uh, actually, Papa, we don't do discounts. But if, if somebody would ask for a discount, you could say, hey, is that something we can do? Can we? So the, the idea would be able to collaborate to provide the best answer and fastest answer to uh, uh, the prospect of the customer. Um, was very important to us, and that's why we came up with this idea of comments. So it's a very simple solution. We, we, you, you go into your Gmail, you put our Chrome extension, and you can comment on these emails just like you would comment on a Google Doc. It's the same, the same behavior. Uh, so you can ping anybody around you and 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 collaborate on and getting a, a better response to this email. So that that's the first thing, and then the second. Um, aspect we um, bring into market is what we call account intelligence and that comes from um, the frustration of uh, having uh, to ask customers so say you, you sign up a customers and you start the onboarding process and you ask customers to tell you again what is it they're trying to do when everything has been discussed before and in mm-hmm. the CRM Typically, you keep information like the opportunity amount, right? Mm-hmm. And the status, so it's close one, uh, $11,000, great. But not the discussion that way around it. And these discussions mm. are captured in the email flow. So what we do with that, and specifically for our account managers, customer success, we retrieve all the email threads uh, and we, we bring them back directly into your in- inbox. So if you search for a particular account, you will see every email thread that's been discussed. And it's very important to put it in the format of a thread because the, mm. our brain has been used now to, to look at emails in terms of threads. So you, you, you know um, where to look and which one to click on and get the conversation from a thread. So we retrieve all the email threads about an account. So uh, I was talking to my uh, account manager yesterday and I said, you know, the, the, the most important thing to uh, avoid is uh, not sending an email to trying to sell somebody to a customer who has just had a big technical problem is pissed off, right? Mm. So you <laughs> <laughs> say, hey, would you like to try on your app? Say, well, how about you fix your existing app? Um, <laughs> so that that's the thing we 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 uh, 
fixing uh, with his account intelligence. You search for an account, you find an email thread, you, fee, you see if there's a ticket, you see if there's an email, uh, they're not happy. Um, and, and then you can uh, adjust your um, conversation accordingly. You can also find what's happening. So refer to it, say, hey, I'm glad that we were able to re resolve your issue. Um, would you be interested in looking at this other product we have and, and, and bounce on it? So these are the two things we're going to market with. Uh, both of them are unique. We you know, came up with these ideas. There's no, uh, no alternative right now. So it means that we'll have to build the market. I always make the distinction between market making and market switching. So market switching, you do something other people do and you do it hopefully better. Mm -hmm. Market making is that you do something nobody does, and you are going to educate the market that that that's a better way to uh, meet their goals. So in this case, that's um, how we uh, that's uh, the challenge we're facing to educate the market. Um, but once you use this product, you think, well, of course it makes sense to comment on emails. Why why didn't we have that earlier? Right? It's one of those. Ho hopefully, I won't be the only one who think that way, like we said earlier. <laughs> Definitely. I that, that second feature that you were talking about is so interesting to me because um, I it, it's not just useful for salespeople, although it's useful for salespeople. But if the whole organization has access to that, um, what I see a lot is, you know, one or more people on the sales team are in conversation with the prospect. Like you said, they're sending emails back and forth. They're summarizing needs and concerns and issues and goals and all kinds of valuable information. And then that information is stuck and siloed with that salesperson, maybe within the sales organization, but usually just with that salesperson. And then a lot of times they hand over the account to a fulfillment team, a delivery team, implementation team, and they're asking the same questions that the salesperson asks because they don't have insight into all of that information. So I would imagine, um, you know, just just literally kind of pulling that information to into a thread and then tying it to that company record. Um, if I'm an implementation team member and I go in to look at that account to be able to see all the history of the different communications um, that have happened, that's a that's a significant step ahead. I have I have a lot of clients whose implementation process starts with basically redoing half of the work of the sales team. Yeah, you're exactly right. And that's very frustrating for the prospect. That's why I said at the beginning, uh, we focus on help improving the uh, buyer and customer experience uh, because it's very frustrating for the prospect to have to uh, tell the same story again. And that's uh, the, uh, the problem we solve. And you're right, it's, uh, it's not only salespeople, it's anybody who is customer facing along this, this life cycle of a relationship. So renewals, uh, tech support, and, mm -hmm. and so on. Yeah, account management. Even if you if you yeah, hand off the account to somebody else, it's 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 kind of crazy to me that it is 2020, and yet there are so many organizations that don't have an effective flow, you know, capture and flow of information. And it seems so basic, but from you know the default customer service experience. Fortunately, it's been a little while since I've had this. But when you call a company like your cable company or your cell phone company, and you state your complete problem to the first rep you talk to. And then they pass you off to a next level rep 
and don't pass off any notes and you have to restart your explanation to that new person. It's just oh, frustrating. It. <laughs> and yeah, we all hate it, it right? It's like, so what's your problem? So, well, I, as I was saying earlier, for the last five, 20 minutes, I hate it. You're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, when a, within a personal context, we find it frustrating and that's why cell phone companies and cable companies are, you know, the lowest reviewed companies out there. How on earth is a professional business, you know, B2B kind of a, a business, are you going to put your own customers through that same kind of experience by forcing them to restate information, by frustrating your internal team um, because they can't find information. It's just um, it, it, that focus on buying enablement. It's kind of funny. We um, we have uh, our, our mission in the world is enabling buying in a world of selling because we see that there are so many companies that are focusing on enabling their salespeople. And that's fine. And that makes sense. But what you should be focusing on is how can we make buying easier? Because if buying is easier, then selling is easier. And so often we focus so much on selling. You know, you can sell more efficiently. You can sell more effectively. You can sell faster. You can sell, you know, to more people. Um, but really thinking about how do people buy from us? Why do they buy from us? Um, what frustrates them in the buying process? Where do they fall out of the buying process because of the friction um, in that process. And you're going to see significantly more um, improvement on improving the buying experience of people who are already buying than on trying to improve the selling experience of your salespeople. It's, it, they're both important, but that focus on the customer is, is really where it should be. That's interesting. You actually, uh, because we used to use that term as, uh, as our core tagline, buying enablement. You actually mm -hmm. use, use that uh, at uh, Criteria for Success? Yeah, we, we don't call it buying enablement, but we you know, we say we're enabling buying in a world of selling. So it is kind of, we're saying yes, buying enablement without true. buying enablement. <laughs> but it, yeah. it, is, it is critical. And that's because uh, the same uh, observation we made earlier that uh, it's becoming more and more competitive. And if you don't make uh, life easy for buyers, they'll have an alternative that does and then switch so absolutely yeah it's this goes back to man a very very early episode of the podcast and i do not remember who this was so i won't be able to credit him but we had a whole conversation about about this in general because there are so many companies who work really hard on their sales process and don't ever think about the buying process. And so they put all of these complicated steps in the sales process, not realizing that they're actually impediments to buying. And they're actually going to reduce people's, um, you know, alignment to the process back to the first thing that we were talking about, you know, putting that step in the process of you're going to fill out a form and then we're going to have all these complicated processes behind the scenes to receive the lead, qualify the lead, um, get approval from the manager, distribute it to the salesperson. And so within three days, you'll get a call. Well, that's friction. The person was willing to, you know, have a call, have a demo, whatever it was right then. So why are we putting these steps in our sales process, if you really think about the buyer, you think about the journey they're on, you think about what they want to accomplish, um, it, it, you know, focus your, focus your efforts there, you know, meet the buyers where they are instead of trying to force them down a path that they don't even want to be on because they're going to leave and go somewhere where they can just follow, you know, their preferred path. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, sometimes we have companies that say, oh, I don't want to uh, talk immediately because I want to make sure I I don't book a meeting with somebody who's not qualified. 
And I'm thinking, so of course we, we do that at Chili Pepper Wood to make the qualification, but let's argue that we miss some and we're going to book some uh, unqualified meetings. I keep telling them, you know, it's better to cancel a few meetings here and there with qualified people than miss all these meetings with qualified people uh, that uh, you never talk to. Uh, if you're going to err on one side, let, let's make sure that you, you, you book a few more meetings and uh, you don't miss all these people who are really interested in your product and uh, we're about to become customers. Absolutely. Um, and then you can train your team on, hey, here's how to make sure during the first couple minutes of a call um, that the person is qualified. And here's how to gracefully, if they're not qualified, shut the conversation down. Because you might book a 30-minute call with somebody. And if you know in the first three to five minutes that you're figuring out if you should spend the next 27 minutes or so right, on the phone right. with them, then you can do that. But um, it's uh, as you said, I, I always feel... Um, we actually had a conversation internally about this yesterday. Err on the side of action. Um, it, it's it's much better. Generally, salespeople are not having the problem of too many quali- too many meetings to yeah, have. Right. Too that's many right. you know warm people who are interested to call. And I I'd, I'd much rather talk to somebody who's interested but not capable of buying than not talk to anybody at all. And it, yeah, you know, right. if nothing else, it's practice, and it's um, it's a warm touch point to somebody who might be a prospect sometime in the future, even if they're not qualified right now. That's exactly right. Well, I have I have loved this conversation. I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are VPs of sales and um, chief revenue officers are are probably pretty interested in um, in learning more about your solution. But before we go, a question I always like to ask is: um, Do you have any books that you would recommend to our listeners? There. Um... Uh, two books that um, uh, I've been focusing on recently. Uh, one is uh, called "Never Split the Difference" by mm. Chris Barr, the FBI negotiator. And I know it's been very successful, and I'm not the only one who appreciate that book. But I'm, I'm finding it remarkable that um, the techniques that he has been using for negotiation are so applicable to the world of sales. Mm-hmm. Uh, in particular, um, there's a that's going to take a couple of minutes to explain, but I think it's something uh, important. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm interested in uh, neurology and uh, this field called neuroeconomics, and they discovered mm-hmm. that um, uh, there's a, a, a brain capability called mentalizing that is very similar to empathy, but different mm-hmm. in that it's not about it's not about getting the feelings of the other person is. Uh, cognitively understand the motivation of the other person and be able to uh, to uh, act on it. And they're actually two different uh, brain circuits. And in his book, uh, Chris Voss talked about uh, tactical empathy. Mm-hmm. In effect, it's the same thing. It's this ability to to understand what, what motivates the other person, not to feel the same way. So as he's talking to a terrorist, he's not trying to empathize and say, you're right, we should bomb that, that <laughs> town, right? And I completely agree with not to mention it is the ability to uh, um, have empathy in, with the goal of, of, uh, of getting somewhere, the tactical empathy. So I found that was fascinating that he, he didn't use the term that, uh, that the science has no uh, assigned to this capability, but he describes in detail that process of tactical empathy that's also called mentalizing in the science. So that, I love that book. And then another book that uh, we... <clears throat> Or read at Chili Piper is a book called Peak, The Secrets of the New Science of Expertise by Anders Ericsson. Um, 
was uh, so it's it's along the, the the ideas of the growth mindset, uh, the book by uh, Carol uh, Carol Beck, I think. Uh, the growth mindset is the idea that you can always improve, and you should not look at your uh, abilities as, as as a maximum. You should uh, think of yourself always capable of improvement. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peak is a more is a more uh, practical uh, help in that <clears throat> it has this concept of. Uh, deliberate practice that was made famous by some, somebody else, but it, it was originally in that book, of, uh, of having a coach and uh, setting up measurements and goals and uh, deploying new techniques to improve. So that's what we apply at Chili Pepper to uh, in every department, but in particular in sales. Uh, we, um, for example, we never, we would never uh, terminate somebody for not meeting his goals. Mm-hmm. We would always always work with that person on the techniques it takes to meet the goals, and if, if at some stage realize that person is not going to be able to to acquire these skills and techniques for reasons that are very explicit, right? Maybe because it, it misses that tactical empathy or or something. Then we say, look, it's probably not the right job for you because look, you're missing these things. So we 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 think of our, of our role as helping people grow and. Um, learning the techniques that have proven to work in a particular discipline. And that's all come from that book, uh, again, it's called Peak, The Secrets of uh, the New Science of Expertise by Anders Ericsson. That sounds um, really interesting. I feel like uh, just these these topics that you touched on toward the end, we could have probably had a whole um, conversation on them because, you know, um, that, that focus on... Um, tactical empathy or mentalizing. I think that's so incredibly important in sales. Um, Especially, we have some clients who are selling um, to people who are in a difficult emotional state, for example. Um, Like we we had, I I was talking to somebody who um, is, is in wealth management and they work with people primarily who are going through divorce or the loss mm-hmm. of a family member. So this is somebody who's taking on um, ownership of their own financial life for the first time, generally, as, as, a, as an adult. And if you are too empathetic, you can't sit there crying with your prospects, right? No, um, but instead, exactly. you need to figure out how can you understand the pain that they're in, understand the difficulty, and then be committed to helping solve their problem without sitting there and weeping with them. <laughs> and so finding that that right balance between, that's really, um, that's how I understand that tactical empathy. Um, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and it, it's uh, something I think not well understood in, in the world of sales, mm-hmm. people often think of salespeople as uh, performing actors. They show up. Uh, I remember one sales guy a long time ago. We we parked the car. We were about to get on a customer call, and he said, "Okay, ready for the show." And I'm thinking, <laughs> there's, no, "There's no, there's no show, you know." No, it's <laughs> this, uh, this, if there's anybody's show, is somebody is the customer's show, right? Because we can absolutely. Listen. We're, we're people and we're selling to other people. And I always try to get back to that. Um, sales is such a personal uh, role where um, there's there's not many other jobs where you have such interaction with so many other people who are opening up to you about their problems and their challenges um, and hoping that you can help them with a solution. And if you're in sales and you don't get that, I feel really bad for you because um, it makes the job so much easier and so much more fun and so much more satisfying if you can understand that you're helping people and and find you know joy and satisfaction in that. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, I have I have loved our conversation today, Nicholas. Um, I'm sure Same our listeners here. have as well. If you want people to learn more about you and your work, where should they go? Well, so we mentioned uh, the two companies that we're working with. Uh, Chili Piper um, is a play on the word, right? It's not Chili Pepper, it's Piper, as in pipeline <laughs> Piper. So if you come to our website, we use our own system to get you in touch with the right people immediately, our concierge solution. And then Gypsy Time uh, is in the early days, uh, but I'm sure a lot of, um, of the audience would be interested in, in, in trying the to do this to get more focus, it's uh, gypsy, G-I-P-S-Y, time.com. Uh, and you can just try, try the app. Absolutely. Um, I, I know our listeners will be interested in, in one or both of those, of those yeah. solutions. So it's always nice to learn about um, new things. As you said, when you're creating a market, um, you're creating new solutions that people didn't even realize they had. Um, it's good to be able to, to kind of introduce those to our listeners who probably have never thought about some of those things. So thank you so much for speaking with me today, Nicholas. Sure. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything Nicholas and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 262. Be sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. If you enjoyed today's show, please recommend us to a friend. That'll help more people discover the show. It's the best way to build our audience. And if you're not yet subscribed, make sure to do that so you'll hear every new episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free wherever you're listening right now. We're always committed to learning and improving, so we would love your feedback. You can leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchoff, Mark Krogan, and me, Elizabeth Frederick. Happy selling! Happy selling!